Welcome to Word of Life Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. And wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will move to and through you from today's message. And while you're here, go ahead and head over to our online platform, thelifeonline.cc, where you'll find content on all kinds of topics like forgiveness, healing, prophecy, faith, and so much more. So check it out at thelifeonline.cc and enjoy today's message. Well, hello, everybody. Uh, we're glad to have uh, you here for staff prayer. And uh, today we're starting something new. Uh, we've got people joining us from all over the world. Um, so we're making this available uh, for podcast, and we're excited about that. And for those of you listening to podcast, um, we'll put this bonus content, content out, um, I guess, decently regularly. We'll see how that works. Uh, but I've had on my heart uh, for quite some time um, something that a spiritual mentor of mine uh, would often refer to um, a good bit, and that is the hallmarks of a spiritual person. Now, I, I think any of us who are Christians, and for you as staff, this ought to be an ambition for sure, uh, to be a spiritual person uh, and to know God and to walk with Him intimately. Um, and he said that a spiritual person, if you're aiming to be that, has three core characteristics. Now, of course, there are many things uh, that a spiritual person would do, but I like these three things because they're not three things that typically come to mind. And in my own life, when I practice these three things, I definitely sense a closerness to the Father. And when I practice these three things, I feel a greater sensitivity of spirit. And so I felt compelled to kind of teach on this and to make this available to you. Uh, And so let's just look at it today. Uh, We'll open up our Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 24. Of course, Hebrews chapter 11 is a great faith chapter. It's one of my favorite chapters in Scripture. Uh, If you can get Hebrews 11 and Hebrews 12 mastered, you're on your way to high quality of life. Hebrews chapter 11 is all about faith. Hebrews chapter 12 is all about discipline. And if you can combine those two things of discipline, you know, the best you can do with uh, faith, the best God can do, (laughs) you can see a lot of neat progress. Um, And so one of the heroes of faith that it makes mention of in Hebrews chapter 11 is, of course, Moses. And here it highlights something that Moses did, which is the first hallmark of a spiritual person, according to a spiritual mentor of mine. Let's look at it. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 24. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Refused to be called the sons of Pharaoh's daughter. Uh, Choosing rather to endure ill treatment, with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Considering the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured, as seeing him who is unseen. Um, Now notice um, for today's lesson particularly verse 26. Considering the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. 
The first hallmark of a spiritual person that we want to look at today is esteeming earthly things lightly. Now, our world does not do this. Uh, we, we live in a world that is incredibly marketed. And so we are trained to esteem earthly things highly, brands highly. In fact, we have a rank for brands. Like this brand is esteemed and this brand is not. And if you had this brand of shoe, uh, it's a shoe that is esteemed. And if you have this brand of shoe, it's not. Uh, if you had this type of purse or this type of car or this type of jacket or this type of house or this type of, of jacket, whatever it may be, it's esteemed, it's valued, it's sought after, it's saved for, it's believed for. Even spiritually, it's prayed for. I, I guess the word that you could, could use is it's pursued. And the more carnal you are, the more you pursue natural things. It's where your mind goes. It's the accumulation of possessions. It's the accumulation of stuff. And it's not just the stuff, right? It's the status we think we'll get when we get the stuff. And it's pursuing um, power. And Moses here, he has all the status you could ever imagine. Um, in Egypt, which was at this time the most powerful nation in the earth, uh, it was also kind of like a kingdom with Pharaoh kind of being a, a king. So all the power went up. There is no like sports power or like that type of acclaim. There's only like governmental power. And Pharaoh's the head of the government, and Moses is in his family, the daughter uh, or the son of Pharaoh's daughter. So he has power, he has prestige, uh, he has incredible amounts of wealth. The wealth, the, the likes of us who are in this room or listening, will probably never see a fraction of the type of wealth that the son of uh, Pharaoh's daughter would have. He has all of these things at his disposal. But in the middle of having all of these things, he knows he is far from the call of God and far from intimacy with the Father and far from, from being the man that God wants him to be, which is a man that he can speak to and walk with and walk up a mountain with and, and show himself to. God wants to show him his glory. But in order for him to have that glory, he has to leave Egypt. And he has to walk away from that wealth, that prestige, um, that type of, of honor. And he did because he esteemed um, walking with the Lord as greater riches than the stuff of the world. To be in God's presence as being greater than having the wealth of Egypt. He wanted it more. So he pursued it. He left natural things to pursue spiritual things. He left all the status to pursue intimacy with the Father. Um, he left comfort to pursue calling. Oh, come on, somebody. Don't make me preach. Don't ma I'll preach, I'll preach, I'll preach here in staff prayer. He left comfort to pursue calling. It didn't mean anything to him. The wealth didn't mean anything to him. Well, I, I, I don't know because I, I you know, I'm not interviewing Moses. I'm sure it meant something. It just didn't mean what it meant to everybody else. Everybody else is fighting to get it. He's leaving it. 
So it's not that it, I can't say that it mean anything to him. It just didn't mean enough compared to the other. Compared to the Spirit, he wanted spiritual things more. Compared to the things of God, he wanted that more than he wanted natural things. And one of the, the chief issues uh, that I see, if I'm being honest, with especially charismatic faith brand of Christianity, which uh, I'll just be honest and say charismatic, like moving with the Spirit, don't we all want to be that? And with faith people, quote-unquote faith people, it's like, aren't the just supposed to live by faith? <laughs> and like those kinds of things. So I'll take the label. Um, but um, in the middle of that, one of the things that I saw happen with that is the, the learning to be led by the Spirit so I can be wealthier. Uh, learning how to use my faith so I can obtain just more possessions. And it actually goes back to a craving for physical things, a craving for the things that came out of Egypt. Uh, does it come out of God or does it come out of Egypt? Did, it come out, did, did, did God set that up or did the world set that up? Who labels, that as, who labels it as valuable? And, and why do we consider it as valuable? Why does, it, why does it have any type of weight on our heart? Why does it have any type of longing in our heart? Where is it coming from? Is it, is it coming from the Lord and the Spirit, or is it coming from the world and branding? And marketing to us so well that if I don't have this, I'm missing out. Um, it's, uh, what is it, FOMO? Is that FOMO? Fear of missing out? <laughs> I'm looking around. <laughs> so, you know, we have this fear of missing out. And it's like, well, they have it and they have it. I should have it. And so we chase it. We pursue it. And one of the things that you see in Scripture is we know this. Or if you don't, this is a wonderful education for you. God doesn't care how much you have. Genuinely. God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. When God makes the world, he makes it beautiful because he knew we would like it. And you see in Genesis, he puts gold in the earth and he calls it good. He puts mountains and mountainous real estate and beaches and he calls it good. It's blessed by God. He doesn't care how much you have. He cares how much has you and the esteem you put on it. And what it means to you. What means more to you? To be led by the Spirit and to have great intimacy in prayer? Or the obtainment of something? Uh, what, what do you seek more? Do you seek more to be esteemed and liked or to be used and led? Do you seek to be impressive? Or do you seek to be used? Do you seek... Um, well, I'll just use an example because this example is in Scripture for a reason. There's a guy in the New Testament who approaches Jesus, and he's labeled the rich, young ruler. And I love that, that heading uh, because it identifies everything, especially people in the West, want to be. Uh, now, in the East, uh, when, when I go and I travel to some of the eastern parts of the world, whether it's Lebanon or Egypt or um, you know, um, China and some of these other regions, um, you see a little different value set. But there's a lot of Western things happening there as well. Uh, I've seen that in Japan. I've seen that in Hong Kong. I've seen that in uh, Dubai. 
um, you know, these types of things where our value systems are, are, you know, the Western world is kind of linking those things up, and it's not a good thing. Um, but out of this, he's labeled rich, young, and has authority. And I, I think about like so much of our culture of like people craving money and how much of our world revolves around money. And if I have money, I feel secure. I think this is reflected in, in like our fascination with the lottery. Of like we think if we had the money, we would be happier. We have the, the money. And then you look at like people who have a lot of money and you look at like there's recently um, a major couple has a lot of money, has a lot of power. They're young, no, known for their beauty and good looks, going through divorce and going through these types of things. And I would ask like the, the, the happiest people that you know, the people who are walking in peace and joy, are they the ones who have the most money? It's this fascination that I think if I have this, then I'll have something that it, our heart is really looking for in spiritual things. It's not true. It's a lie. And so this pursuit, we have this constant pursuit of, I need to make more money, because if I have more money, I'll have peace and I'll have joy. And it's a lie. It's a myth. That's a, a, not a firm foundation. Uh, so there's this fascina fascination with wealth. And then we have this fascination with getting younger and devaluing age instead of looking at age for what God has it as, and that's wisdom. We, we value uh, beauty more than we do wisdom. And so we'll spend so much money to look younger, dress younger, than to be wiser. Because we have this, this heart of like, our culture places so much value on strength and beauty. Physically. Where the Bible literally teaches us, do not look at the outward appearance. Uh, remember what, what Peter wrote, even to ladies. He's like, let your, your beauty not be of like this physical beauty of like the plating of the hair or what you wear, of like putting on this so I look beautiful. He's like a meek and a quiet spirit. His point is, is and this is once again esteeming earthly things lightly compared to spiritual things. His point is, how much time have you looked at your heart compared to how you've looked at your flesh? And placing more time to make it beautiful than your flesh beautiful. Spending more money to make it beautiful than your flesh beautiful. Spending more time to develop it than develop the flesh. For men, it would be the same thing in the gym. I'll go to the gym every morning with my kids. It's one of my favorite things, but there's people in there spend hours on their physical body. Literally hours every day on their physical body, which is great. We should be healthy. Like, that's a good thing. And nothing wrong with trying to, you know, look our best and, you know, be younger physically. I understand all these types of things. But the emphasis on us, if we're spiritual people, is we, we ought to crave more spiritual growth than we do physical growth. To grow deeper spiritually should be a greater pursuit than to grow younger physically. Um, and what we crave and what we value to go deeper spiritually. How many deep spiritual people do you know? Honestly. That when you get around them, it's like, you know, the, the scripture in Isaiah, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, and let the strong man glory in his strength, but if any man glories, let him glory in this, that he knows me. How, how many people do you know who are deep spiritual wells? That you can go to them and you know you'll get counsel from the Spirit. And my question would be for all of those who are listening, as well as for all those here in staff, are you one of those people? I don't say that to judge you. I do say that to, to convict you, though, and to convict me. 
uh, to, to have a cut in our heart to return us back to the ways of the Lord is are we those people who are in tune with the Spirit? And are we those people who are light in this world, who are so different from the world that the world knows, like when I get around you, I got around a spiritual well, that out of you flows forth rivers of living water, counsel, advice that is coming from above because we are connected to the Father. Um, but out of these things, it's, it's, it's paying more attention to spiritual depth than physical strength and beauty. Uh, young and then ruler uh, in the the play uh, Hamilton uh, they have that scene I want to be in the room where it happens I just want to be in the room where it happens what is that power like I, I want that position I see it even in the church uh, I'm talking about in our organization of when you have different teams it's like people want to be in the room where it happens and we have this craving for power and position and title and authority and we have this pursuit to like want to have authority and labels and offices and like all of these things because we esteem earthly things so highly. And when I'm, I'm developing spiritually, I want to be in the right place that God has me, not the place with the greatest title. Uh, and if that place is in the wilderness next to a burning bush where no one knows my name versus the corner office in Egypt where I have all of this power, who in the world cares? Like, I'd rather be in, in the right place than a certain place. I'd rather be in the right place where, where it happens with God than in the room where it happens with man. Um, and the rich young ruler has this and Jesus sees in his life. Uh, that he values status, he values position, he values strength, uh, he values being impressive. And so he tells him this. Um, you know, he's like, the, the rich young ruler asks him, he's like, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he's like, you know the law, you tell me. And like they're, they're having these engagements, and he's like, I've kept the law since my youth. And Jesus doesn't uh, condemn him. So he has a certain set of spiritual values, which I pray all of us have, of like living out of this place of spiritual values. So he has this kind of lined up, um, but Jesus is looking on him and he sees uh, your next, and this is where I'm going with this, your next step for spiritual growth in me is to esteem earthly things less than you do. And so he says, one thing you lack, go sell everything you have. Everything that means something to you. Everything that you have as a possession. Go sell it, give it to the poor, take up your cross and follow me. And I love the wording in the play on words. It says, the rich young ruler went away grieved because he had much. <laughs> Think about the play on words. He has a lot, but still grieved. And this is what Jesus is trying to show him in this moment. It's just because you have the stuff doesn't mean you have a high quality of life. It doesn't mean you'll have fulfillment. It doesn't mean it's a, it's a myth. It is a lie. And what I'm about to show you in Scripture, it's a temptation. It's not just coming from the world. It is coming from the devil to take Christians and ministers and believers literally off track. And so here, uh, he's unwilling to let go, not just of the money, but of the status of someone who is rich. 
And these possessions literally have possessed him, and they mean too much. Uh, he's not willing to let it go. He's not willing. Not willing. He, he would rather have the stuff than walk with Jesus. Because this is what it's coming down to, is he wants to follow Jesus intimately. And Jesus is saying, well, you've kept the law. That's wonderful. You know, it's probably why you've become so rich and young and successful. Like, you, you've done well in how you've lived life. But if you really want to walk with me to this next level, this stuff can't mean that much to you. And so he asks for it. The Lord comes and he asks for it. Well, what does he ask for? His possessions, his stuff, his earthly things. He asks for his title. He asks for his wealth. He asks for it. And in our life, the Lord Jesus will lead us down that same path where he will come to us and he will ask us for these things. Of what do I esteem more? I've had things in my life. Uh, one of the things that you know, I accumulated ever since I was a little child was sports memorabilia. And I've had sports memorabilia ever since I was a kid. And the Lord will regularly tell me to give it away. Not sell it, give it away. Uh, And so some of my my best pieces and most expensive pieces are owned by many different people. Um, Because one of the things you have to realize is you really don't own anything. And somebody says, no, pastor, I'm debt free. Die. When you die, you'll see someone else is getting your house. Um, They don't own it either because they'll die. Well, like, no, I've got a lot of stuff. No, you don't. Die. Someone else will get it. You're only a steward. That's all you'll ever be. I don't care how much money you have. You're only a steward. And this is what Jesus is trying to teach us is that your value can't be based off of natural things. Because all those natural things, even after they're stewarded, even if Jesus tarries is coming another 10 generations and it gets passed down from generation to generation to generation, whenever it is all over, guess what will happen to all that stuff? All the art, all the clothes, all the baseball cards, all the baseballs, all the trophies that are won, all the rhythm, rhythm ribbons that are gathered through sporting events, all the gold medals from the Olympics. You know what will happen at the end of all this? It will burn. It means nothing. Ultimately, it literally has no value. None. But he who does the will of the Lord. The will of the Lord, what we did in each other's lives, what we walked with in God, what we prayed out, the lives that we touched, the moments that we had in Jesus, the moments that we led other people to Jesus, the moments where we helped people get on track for their life and discover God's plan for their life. The will of God abides forever. I remember that vision Kevin Cooley had where it's like, Kevin Cooley, come up to the throne of God. And he's like, there's another one. Anyway, you've heard me tell the story if you listen to the podcast or, you know, you work here, so you've heard the story, I'm sure, many times. But one of the parts when I was talking to Kevin is, you know, that scripture, our God is a consuming fire. He says that when you get up to the throne of God and you see what your life could be, he wipes away all the tears from your eyes because you saw what you could have done for God. And you will have that moment. There will be a moment where you stand before the judgment seat of Christ and you see what you could have done for God. And when we see the life we could have lived uh, and those types of things, he wipes away the tears from our eyes. And then he says, and, and Peter and Paul both tell us this, uh, that um, we go through and everything uh, go through to the other side, and everything that was the will of God remains on the other side. But everything that was not of God is tried by fire and it's burned. 
And in Kevin's vision, what he saw was literally the judgment seat of God with, with the, you know, the, the Lord Jesus sitting on it. And he said he went through Jesus. And when he did, he was fire. The Lord was fire. Our God is a consuming fire. And it burned off of him everything that was not of the Lord. And then he went on the other side of heaven uh, where there's fullness of joy. And when we look at these things, all of this stuff, I don't own it. I steward it. Uh, And ultimately, what am I stewarding? Something that's going to be burned by fire? Um, and and we, we don't see this because in our world, everybody and everything tells us you have to have blank to be successful. And in fact, even that word successful is linked up to so many natural positions, places, substances, uh, brands that if you have this, oh, they've made it. What does that even mean? They've made it. Really? Made it in what? Made it in a certain tax bracket? Are, are made it in the will of God. And when the more spiritual I get, the more I care about spiritual things and the less I care about natural things. I am willing to walk away from Egypt to be with God. Now, one of the things you see in Moses' story is when he's walking away from Egypt, what does Egypt do? They take off their natural things and they give it over unto Moses and God's people. So once again, does God care if we have natural things? No. God cares, though, if we have an esteem for these things so much that we are living according to the will of the world and marketing and not according to the will of God and His heart for us. I'll close with this. This is not just a test that the Lord Jesus will give us to take us more spiritual. It's also a temptation, and we see this in the book of Luke. Luke chapter 4. And this is a a common um, verse of Scripture. Jesus here has been led into temptation, which is interesting in and of itself to be led into temptation. But he's led into temptation here. And watch the temptations uh, that Jesus is given. Um, So Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, let's all be full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led around by the Spirit. This is one thing that I I know you know, but notice the correlation, uh, being full of the Spirit and led by the Spirit. And we we always say this, whatever you're full of, you'll be led by. Uh, If you're full of sports, you'll keep going back to sports. If you're full of jokes, you'll keep wanting to hear them. If you're full of... Uh, Lakers basketball, which if you are, I'm so sorry, because it is awful this year. Uh, But if you're full of those things, you'll be led by it. You know when they play. Uh, You know their schedule. You know who's doing well. Whatever you're full of, you're led by. And so for us as Christians, and for those of us who are like Jesus, we should be full of the Spirit. Spiritual things are the things we should be full of, that we know about more about the Lord and worship, than we do about politics. That we know more of what God is saying right now than we know about these other things. And so if we are filled with the Spirit, we'll be led by the Spirit. And the the Spirit leads him into a period of temptation for 40 days, verse 2, being tempted of the devil, and he ate nothing during those 40 days. And when they had ended, he became hungry. 
And the devil said unto him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live by own bread alone. Uh, so here we see it's a multi-level temptation. It's going back to the very first temptation because Jesus is the second Adam, according to Paul. And so in the first Adam, the first Adam in Genesis, what did he do? He chose food and creation over the Creator. So he chose what God made over God, which hints at what we're talking about too right now, right? Uh, that God made gold and mountains and nice real estate, and we, we go back to Adam's uh, temptation. And we fall to Adam. It's like, when we get to heaven, we're going to slap Adam, like all these types of things. And Adam's like, you do it all the time. Like, literally, you, you, you want a piece of property more than you, you pray. Oh, like, I, you know, that kind of thing. And so it's esteeming the creation above the creator. That I want what God made more than I want God. And so here is the redemption of this, of God has asked uh, Jesus not to eat. He asked Adam not to eat. Adam succumbed and chose the creation over the creator. Jesus is redeeming Adam's mistake, which is why we see it as the first sin Jesus was ever tempted in, because he's redemption. The whole ministry of Jesus is redemption. So what does Jesus do here with this redemption? He chooses the will of God. Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So what's he saying? I esteem spiritual things more than I do natural things. I'd rather hear from God than eat. I, I, I have a craving, and, and think about this, even in terms of esteeming earthly things lightly. What is your desire for spiritual things compared to food? Seriously. Uh, how strongly do you value the Word of God? How, how long do you wait in prayer to hear from God compared to how strongly you have an urge to eat? How, how much do we crave moments like this where we take the time to listen to a podcast and genuinely take notes or come as staff to come and hear these things in person um, and these types of things? How, how, how strongly do we crave this compared to food? And so Jesus here is showing us the, the desire for spiritual things over natural things. And he's like, I don't live off bread alone, off these natural things. Uh, I'm pursuing these spiritual things. And so he keeps fleshing this, this out. And we see the next temptation. And he led him up. And showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, I will give you all this domain and all of its glory, for it has been handed over to me. Well, who handed it to him? Adam. For it has been handed over to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you worship before me, it shall all be yours. And Jesus answered him and said, It is written, you will worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. Now, notice the temptation. I'll give you all this domain, power, land, possessions, and its glory. Um, now, I've been, uh, me and Brian years ago went to Dubai um, and on our way to India. And in Dubai, you see, I mean, wealth, the likes of which I've never seen in any other place in the world. Japan, I saw some, Hong Kong, but like in Dubai, it's like next level. You can stand at one place and see like a hundred wonders of the world, like of, not wonders of the world, but Guinness Book of World Records. Yes, 
Guinness Book of World Records. It's like world's largest fountain, world's biggest light show, world's tallest building. Like in one place you can see all these things. And there's so much emphasis on power, wealth, esteem, money. Uh, like the big racehorses, you know, racing, like million-dollar seeds, like all these kinds of things. Biggest mall, got this huge aquarium in the mall, like so much power and wealth. And here the devil is taking Jesus up on top of a mountain, and through a vision he shows him the kingdoms of the world and the glory thereof, all the power, all the wealth, all the esteem, and he says, I can give it to you. And it's a temptation. Um, And so how many people has the enemy taken off track by doing the same thing to them? And it's not just God who can bring promotion. Uh, The enemy here shows that I can take you into a place where if you worship me and follow me, I'll actually bring you into physical things so that they so strongly have your heart that you don't see it. And and being a servant to them, you are actually worshiping me. (laughs) Because you're choosing, once again, the creation above the creator. It has your interest. It has your time. It's what you pray about. Your relationship with God is based off of physical things. Things that you see everybody else see. Things that you see everybody else want. Things that you see everybody else have. And Jesus sees this, and he's like, nope, I will worship only the Lord my God, and he will not bow his knee. And and I want to encourage you in your life, the world, the flesh, and the devil, going back to what we said last week, the world, the flesh, and the devil are all trying to get you to esteem earthly things above what they really should be. There are things in this earth, I was praying about this the other day, I'll close with this. I was praying about this the other day, taking a walk in my neighborhood, and the Lord was dealing with my heart about these things. Because more than anything else in this season, I want to know him. Genuinely. I want to know him. Um, And so I'm walking around my neighborhood, just fellowshipping with the Lord and in prayer. And I tell the Lord, I'm like, judge me and show my heart if I esteem any of these earthly things too highly. Like seriously, anything you ask for me right now, I'll give it away. Every every bit of it. I'll sell it all. I'll give it all. I'd rather have you. And so we were just talking about all these things and I'm just processing it with the Lord. I'm like, Lord, it genuinely means nothing. And he stopped me. And I'm looking at, you know, natural things and I'm like, it means nothing to me. I'm not impressed by anything I have or by anything else anybody else has. I'm not impressed. And the Lord kind of corrected me in a way And he said, Joel, joy and peace are not earthly things. Now, this is good. Joy and peace are not earthly things. Uh, Joy and peace come from the Father. And there are things in this earth that when you have it, equal joy and peace for you. And they they go goes back to what I said um, about two years ago that there are things in this earth that will help you run your race and finish your course. And there are things in this earth that that when they're in place in your life, and yet, like for for me, I travel a lot internationally. Having a neighborhood that I know my wife is safe in, where I'm not overseas thinking about, is my wife safe? It matters to me. Uh, It gives me peace. Does that make sense? There could be certain things that, that maybe you have in your life 
uh, that just when you have, it brings you peace. Uh, being debt-free, <laughs> and Scripture actually exhorts you, owe no man nothing but to love him. Uh, striving to be debt-free so that you have that freedom. If that gives you peace, and that's at a place where I don't... God's best for you is you're not thinking about money, period. You're not thinking about how to make more, but you're also not stressed out about it because you don't have enough to pay the bills. Like, you're free from it. You don't serve that master. And a good way to be that is debt-free. And so there's two ways to be debt-free. You can, you can make more or you can want less. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's the truth. Uh, but getting to that place, um, and it's better to want less. Um, and, and you can get to that place where you're at peace. And you're not thinking about money. You're thinking about the will of the Lord. That's a good thing. Ask the Lord to help you in that area. Ask the Lord to prosper you so that you can be freer to, to serve Him. Tell Him, I don't want money as my master any longer. Uh, walk with Him in intimacy in that way. Because God wants to give us joy and peace uh, so that we don't have weights that are slowing us down from running our race. And so there are things in the earth that will help with that. But even those things, they shouldn't mean as much as they do so oftentimes in our lives. And so as we go on this journey to be spiritual men and women, and, and men and women of the Spirit, which our world so desperately needs, our kids so desperately need, I don't know how people parent without being Spirit-led, genuinely. Um, you know, all these types of things, but like as our children so desperately need, and we so desperately need to have wells who are deep, and people who know the Lord, um, let's use this teaching as a way to reprioritize our lives um, and to just come back. And, and somebody says, well, it does mean too much. What do I do? Well, honestly, give it away. Give it away. If it means too much to you, follow the rich young ruler's advice. Give it away. Um, if it has your heart so strongly, give it away. Confront it. Confront it head on. This jacket is an example of this. I bought this jacket. I liked it. I found it in a store. I'm like, I need a fall jacket. I bought the jacket. I get more compliments on this thing than it. It's so funny. I'm like, I genuinely just needed a jacket. Uh, and it's light. Uh, so like to preach in it, uh, it's not too hot. And so that's a big thing for fall. You want to look like you're in fall, but you don't want to be sweating. Uh, you know, when you're on stage under the lights. And we were at a football game and, and Pep's dad came with me. And um, um, or came with Pep, and he got there without a jacket. And so I, I'm like, well, here, take mine. And so I gave him the jacket, and I saw it fit him perfectly. And like in my heart, like I like this jacket. I do, I like it. And not, I liked it before I got compliments on it, but I liked it. And so I, I said, we're at home, because I knew it would be, you know, cold. And while he's driving, I'm like, I'm going to give him that, or while we're driving, I'm like, I'm going to give him that jacket but I didn't want to because I liked it. Does that make sense? And so I told Pep, I texted her, I'm sa if he says he likes my jacket, give it to him. And that was kind of like me putting out the fleece. Does that make sense? Like I'll put out the fleece. If he, if he says he likes it, uh, then I'll give it to him. And I put it on today and I'm like, such a fool, a foolish thing to do. And so I'm going to give him the jacket. I figured I'd wear it one last time. I got a <laughs> film in it. Campus news. <laughs> but I like it too much. 
and I'll not allow that in my life. Amen. And so we confront these things. I don't love stuff. I don't love this world. I'll use it. We'll enjoy it. But we don't love it. We don't crave it. It does not make up the sum total of what we're believing for and praying for. Come on. We let the Lord add it to us. If he wants to deal with the Egyptians and they take it off their ring and give it to us, we'll take it. But we're not going to make an idol out of it, which is exactly what they did. We're not going to make an idol out of it. We'll use it too. We'll take it and we'll give it to the temple. But we esteem earthly things lightly. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for all that you blessed us with. We praise you, Jesus.